0: What's happening? Welcome to Season 3 of Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I'm your host, Yomi Shode, and we have a whole new set of poets and are still focusing on what it means to be Black, British, and a poet or spoken word artist. If you are interested in getting a greater insight into the journeys of some of your faves, Then join us and keep listening. Saying that, if you do like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcasts and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Welcome to Apples and Snakes Podcast. My name is Jami Shoday. Listen back to the previous seasons of the podcast. It's, it's, It's incredible speaking with a range of incredible people. And today... Oh my diddy days. <laughs> it's no it's no different. Now I've got your bio here and I'm also aware of the time. Don't read the one of it. Oh yeah? It? No. This what? Don't read it because everyone knows who Malachi Booker is no, out I'll in these streets. This, this is
1: what I'm trying to say. They just, all just knows. Out. Just yeah. pluck out the bits, pluck out. I'm gonna,
0: okay, I'm gonna read a bit, then I'm gonna kick into it because we ain't got much time. Mm-hmm. Malachi Booker is a creative writing lecturer at Manchester Metropolitan University. Ooh. Why? Why you do? Why you do? You achieve this? Why? What's what's wrong? A British poet from Guyanese and Grenadian parentage, a co-founder of Malaika's Poetry Kitchen, a writers' collective. Yup, yup. Yeah, all of that as well, you know. Feel free in your soul to go for it. The collective has supported beginning and emerging poets from marginalised black queer women and working class backgrounds for over 20 years. 20 years. Her pamphlet, Breadfruit, received a Poetry Society recommendation and her poetry collection, Pepperseed, was shortlisted for the OCM Bocas Prize and the Seamus Heaney Center Prize for the first full collection can we make some noise for Malaika Booker one time? <laughs> um. <laughs> fun, 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 fun fact. I called Malaika one time and I was just like, oh, Malaika, man, I don't know if you like, like aware of the work I do and everything but it'll be cool like if you can be like my official unofficial like mentor in terms of my work type thing right I'm mean, like I said what took you so long I've been waiting for a year I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> so not to self. Listen, if you ever want to shoot a shot, then there's room for you to feel like because the thing is, you don't know who's watching your work, you don't know who's looking at your work, you don't know who's aware of what you're doing. And and you for you could be stunting your own self and your own growth. I could have been working with Malachi a year before that. Um there's a lot, there's a lot to talk on. Um, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm I feel so spoiled because I don't know where to start. I feel like for the for the for the audience and for the people listening, I just want to go back to young Malaka Boka. I want to go back to young Malaka Boka for a bit. I want to go back to the avid reader, yeah, the avid reader, the the the, the young lady that wasn't really talking to much people, siblings. That, that that leaned into poetry as like survival and a way forward because I think people are aware of Malayka like now, but I don't know how aware they are of, of just what your connection to literature is from such a young age would you mind talking about that for a bit?
1: Um, yeah I suppose so I was I just was a book person I just love books so I would read avidly I remember um I remember uh, my mum would say, it's time for bed and, <laughs> and turn off the light. And I would be like, all right, torchlights would come <laughs> out underneath the the, the, um, the blanket and I'd read. And then I figured out a trick that the bathroom light, if I opened my door and went and turned on the bathroom light, I could see through the light <laughs> to finish my books. Um, so I was always like interested in reading. I remember when I came over to England at age 11, um... It was really different from Guyana. Um, and so the things that helped me was books. I was always in books. I'd go to her and Her and Hill Library mm. and borrow 12 books every week and mm. just read them. And they were my world. So I I think more than a writer, I was a reader. Yeah. And it helped me to travel, it helped me to find out things, it helped me to, you know, be Nancy June, be adventurous. Mm,
0: mm, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. For the folks who might not be aware of you, yeah. How would you best describe? How would you best describe you, man? What? I, I love this situation right now. <laughs> um, um, how would you best describe yourself and the work you do and the purpose of your work?
1: Right. Wow. This question got this this podcast got serious quite quick um, <laughs> um, I think uh, I want to give voice to experience I think um, if I read 48 books for a month I was aware when I was reading that there weren't black characters in those books you know they wasn't I was reading all these worlds but they I wasn't in it Um And, you know, the Caribbean women around me weren't in it. The experiences that I was seeing around me, you know, in Brixton, in Guyana, in Grenada, in Brooklyn, they weren't there. And I remember my joy when I found books that represented me as well, where I could see myself represented. So one of the things I suppose, I'm trying to write those characters, write those things unapologetically into the the page and the stage. I'm also interested in community in writing, in conversation with people in, you know, a lot of people put their hands out to pull me up. So I'm interested in putting my hands up to pull other people up with me because you can't do it alone. Um, and, uh, And most importantly, I've been writing about, I think one of the preoccupations for me is what are the, you know, what are the effects of plantocracy and the Middle Passage? and how do we feel those effects today um, and how do we see those manifested so i think that's the preoccupation that keeps coming up in my work whatever i'm working on um, and whether it's a windrush poem which is which the whole Windrush, you know and my family being here or whether it's just being in grenada and thinking wow this plot of land that you were on was part of a big production place where the body was a product and how is that manifesting today in this space, in this time? Um, so I'm interested, and I'm particularly interested in writing Caribbean Black women's experiences and stories because um, if you look at literature, uh, Black women writers are the first to be erased. So they're even if they're popular when they're alive. If you say to someone, for instance, can you name, you know, five Caribbean writers? Um, And I suppose a lot of you, you will list them five men, you know. Um, So I'm interested in conversations with uh, Caribbean writers. And if the women, it's easy for the Caribbean women to be, writers to be raised, then what happens to the Caribbean women?
0: Mm. Um, Rituals. Mm. Um, I remember, I remember when I... (laughs) <laughs> this is my solo show. And after the solo show, and I, I'm not sure if it was a solo show, but it was definitely something significant that happened. And you called me and you're like, Oh, how are you marking the moment? What's your ritual? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I just, I, you just get on with it type thing, you know? Well done, you know? Job done. And because it's very rare that I actually, it's very rare that I celebrate. After mm-hmm. I've done something mm-hmm. big, mm-hmm. I just carry on. Mm-hmm. And everyone tells me that, you know, at least my close friends and family, they're like, you just can't do that. You, just. Do you mean you still don't do it. What do you mean? Oh. no, I do, Watch oh, me you oh. mean? There's like a context to it all, isn't it? <laughs> um, until you spoke to me that, that evening, and you're just like, you need to mark the moment. And and you spoke to me about rings and bangles, and for the most part... For every and people like, you know, and it's synonymous and it's like, you know, we there were these kind of, if you see Malaika, you definitely know you're gonna get some bling out here <laughs> from one way or another, you're gonna see it. But there's a there's people don't understand the reasoning behind it is per per piece of jewelry is a monumentous moment. Something has happened, something significant has happened. And I needed to consider what my ritual was. And I think it's a process and a question for everybody in the room in terms of how do we kind of mark significant moments and if you look on the one arm of my you can tell <laughs> there's a lot of significant moments there's a lot of significant moments and so i started my i started my own that evening i definitely know that i bumped into the tesco and i bought me a bottle of rosé i know that much for sure and I was like yeah tonight i'm gonna celebrate tomorrow headache or not i know that this is how i'm gonna market and then from that point on it became something a bit more symbolic so I got my rings. This is a keeper ring. I got this. And I know the reason and the meanings behind mm. it. Per celebration, per things that happen. Mm. Ritual is something that people might consider, you know, they have a slant on it. Mm. Witchcraft is this, is mm. that. To your work and what you do, I think a lot of that is almost, it's 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 not flipping it, but you are leaning into these things and a bit more in terms of your writing. Mm. Do you mind talking about? that side of things which then leads into stuff like Bible projects for those who are not aware but ritual and process what is that like for you?
1: Um, I think um, when you work for yourself when you um, sometimes you work really hard um, and you set goals you know you think you know one day you're writing and you think God I want to be published or one day you're watching someone's show and you think I can do that show and I want to do it Um, and you work hard to do it and then it happens and uh, you because you're doing it for yourself you don't really mark that you have made a monumental shift every time you do something like outside of your comfort zone if you do a a solo show, or you do something. It's, you've had to do a lot of growth and development to do that. So um, I realized that you know a lot of my life was this blank space. Um, and people would say, Yeah, I came to see that show. And I think, God, that show I remember when I did it. So I decided to kind of have these rituals um, of, of, of celebration, to celebrate myself, but also to remind myself that I had I had achieved something. Um, but I'm also interested in ritual. I think if I think sometimes if you grow up Catholic, you can't escape Catholicism. Um, and one of the things I would I would take from Catholicism is the notion of ritual. Um, but also, um, if you grow up in the Caribbean and you're into carnival, that's a ritual. Uh, that's a ritual of celebration. That's a ritual of acknowledging what happened with your ancestors. So, I think ritual enters into my work because I think about it. But also in my writing, you know, um, I remember I ran a writing thing for Arvon. And, and one of the things I asked the writers to do is what is your ritual to go to when you go into the desk? Do you make a cup of tea? Then do you uh, light an incense? Do you get a, a packet of biscuit? Do you get a packet of rice crackers? You know what I mean? Do you then sit down? Do you do a free ride? What is the thing that you do to start so that uh so that you you kind of deal with that <laughs> you know, you when you sit down, you go, I've got to write a poem and all of a sudden it's like this big, it's big. <laughs> the black page, it's big. But if you if you have these. Actions that you do, yeah. and so I think in work as well. I've been looking at uh, my work has always been looking at rituals as well, in some way or form, and um, and I th- at the moment I'm creolizing the King James Bible, uh, which is um, and that's really wondering. The King James Bible specifically, it came from a question, what is the role that the King James Bible plays in Caribbean culture? And why is it so important? Why does it come up so much? And, so, and, and, and also silences and absences as I spoke about, what happens if I place the Caribbean location, mm-hmm. body, and uh, language into the King James Bible? What would those characters do? Mm-hmm. Um, and also those characters, uh, especially a lot of the women are silenced or erased or just names. What would the women say if they could speak? Mm. You know, what would the men say if they could speak around vulnerability? Because one of the things that, you know, that masculinity and patriarchy does it, it doesn't acknowledge and allow men space for vulnerability. And what happens if women can speak about, you know, that which, what what the body acts, what the body does. Um, and I suppose I'm finding out this as it my thing first of all was if I do this, will I still be looking at pantococy and the mm. um, but it, it's turned out to be much more interesting than that.
0: Um, why did you start writing poetry?
1: I have 20 different answers to that and I just <laughs> like, I just like didn't know what to say. To um so I I love reading poetry. When I was in Guyana, we had this thing called recitation club, mm-hmm. right? So you you learn the poem and you know, five of you or 10 of you learn the poem mm-hmm. and then you all perform it and then there's the winner, right? So, oh, yes. Yeah, so you all perform the poem, there's the winner, you know. So um you know, and and so I would say I would always be like because my name is B. Mm. And so I'd be like, you don't have to do it in alphabetical order, I'll go last. So I'd sit there.
0: I just watch how all yeah, it is. Yeah, because
1: as <laughs> someone does, you think, oh, I'm not doing that. Uh, and you just use the energy to build. So by the time it comes to you, you're just like, I like, yeah, like come on. And you really want to convince more with the poem. Yeah. Um, in engaging with poetry like that mm. helps you makes you understand poetry so much more because you're digging for meaning, you're digging for, and you're bringing it alive. Um, and I like William Blake. And I like William Blake and Louis Bennett. Um, so that's a starting point of a love of poetry. I remember when I'd argue with my brothers and they would, I have two brothers and I'm the eldest and they would be coming with, you know, all the tossing and stuff and I'd be like quoting poems. I argued with my brother. I don't know what's about. One thing led to another and somehow we fell out. We hated one another. The afternoon turned black. Then suddenly my brother, my brothers would be like,
0: yeah, We don't she, know what to do. With this. Also, what are we doing? Like, look at the punch <laughs> you in the shoulder. You're just like, <laughs> What really are you doing? This is so um, fun.
1: and I was just like, Yeah, this poem describes it. That's what my brothers are like. And they're like, uh, she's strange. Uh, so I think poetry has been always in my life. I actually do think though that if I could sing. Oh. Yeah, if I could sing... Do it. No, you, no. No. No, no, no. The podcast wouldn't survive. Your ears wouldn't survive. <laughs> it's not good. But if I could have sung... Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, man, I don't know if I could, I would have been a poet. Mm. Um, I might have been a songwriter, singer. That is interesting. Uh, but I think with poetry, uh, I want to get that thing of musicality. I want my poems to be so powerful... Mm-hmm that you are transformed in it. I want My poetry is very much about getting people to emot-
0: emotionally
1: engage and to really cinematic and emotion. That's what, that's what I think my poetry is about.
0: There are... The, oh, gosh. I don't... In the same way that I asked you that question now, just to explore, I don't know how you might pick one. But is there a specific moment that you can think of that you're most proud of so far in your journey?
1: Okay, so there's two. Okay, yeah, fair. So one, if you grow up as a with Caribbean parents, there's some occupations that they want you to occupy.
0: Oh man, it ain't no different on my side,
1: <laughs> boy. Right? Smart. So they're like lawyer, doctor, blah blah blah, An engineer, and then you're a what? poet. Why? So my mom just never understood it. I'm she's doing some some writing business, and she'd be like, "See, you're doing poetry. You'd make a good lawyer." Mm. So this is a really thing, and it, this is really a weird thing because uh, I'm not really into the monarchy. But we got invited to to the Buckingham Palace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I knew that accepting that invitation yeah. would make my mom understand something about me. <laughs> And that year, when I so when I went, you know, one when I usually go to Grenada, one of my aunts would be like, "Oh, here is so and so come back from doing her law degree. She just passed her bar." My mom would be like, <laughs> <laughs> "So that year, when I landed in the airport, got picked up. So my aunt said, I had you met the Queen, Buckingham mm-hmm. Palace.'" Mm-hmm. And then my mom would be like, yeah, but Malaika went to Buckingham Palace and met the queen. Awesome. And so, he, so it was like, it's not my own exi- imp- importance, but in that moment, huh. my, mom, my mom was proud of me. Mm. And so that is that is the echelon. And the second thing I think is when Kwame Dawes did my manuscript yeah. and he just sent back the manuscript with a holy he read right in. Mm-hmm. So you finish the book, you send it into the publisher and you think, yeah, and then they sent it back with a whole heap of writing and then you edited and so I was in Grenada and I was I would just be editing and editing this book Mm. and my mom would be like you've been working in there all day come and eat and then she said to me this writing business it's very hard work. Mm. Um, so th- it's all to do with my mom, isn't it? Mm. And the, the third thing is when I sent Pepper Seed to her. So when I, in the Caribbean, you have this thing, you don't tell people your business, right? Mm. So when Pepper seed came out, I realized, all my family's business, business, business is in. in that <laughs> book.
0: <It's> in it. <laughs> Which is
1: why I can tell it's when family members it. haven't read it. Because I see the book on their shelf and I think, you have not read that book. Yeah, right? So I sent it to mom in, um, in June, July or whatever when yeah. the book came out. <laughs> I didn't phone her until this 29th of September, which is her birthday, because I thought, oh my God, if she's gonna cuss me out, she's not gonna do it that badly on her birthday. (laughs) So I phone her on her birthday, and I say happy birthday, and she says, Malaika. Uh. Pepper seed, the book full of pepper. <laughs> my God. And from since then, she'd be like, you know what? This happened with your auntie, you need to write about oh that. Oh
0: my um, God.
1: So it's funny, isn't it? That's that hilarious. my three, my proud moments are all around my mom's um, uh, yeah, being yeah. proud of
0: me, yeah. Um gonna go off a bit and come back in. I would I would like to talk about performance. Um and how how Performance, so I, I, early doors, when I kind of kicked off an open mic, people being booed live. Um, I got booed. Um, I'm coming off the back of musicians and rappers and po- And when it's a poet, people now go into the bar to buy a drink or go to the toilet. It's just, it was tough. So you have to work your way through this whole motion in terms of performance and holding Holding a stage and holding an audience and the attention—it's very different now. How how how's performance been for you over time? Where do you view performance now?
1: Me. Um, so when I first started reading, imagine—you know—something happens to you after school, and I came to England. There was no recitation, so I didn't have that. So when I first started, I'd be barefoot because. The feet has to. You must have seen me in them days. I'd be barefoot because my feet. It's like the feet. I thought if I felt grounded, it would help. Mm. Because and I stopped wearing jewelry on this hand, right? Because I'd be performing. I'd be like my voice would be like this, but the paper mm. would be like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be barefoot, thinking grounding myself, grounding myself. Um, so I had to, like, develop performance. I went to a lot of things. I went to acting workshops. Mm-hmm. I went to, I remember Roger Robinson and I, because there wasn't a, a scene then. I remember Roger Robinson and I would had a discussion that comedy was the closest you could get to spoke to, 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 to performance, to poetry, mm-hmm. to poetry performance. So we'd watch a lot of comedies. We'd watch how the person controlled the state. Because there's a thing with me. is like, if I'm going to do something, I need to understand the craft of it. Yeah. And I need to get better at the craft of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, and then I, then I can reject if I want or not. Mm-hmm. So I started to say, I started to realize that I needed to have a poet, a, an intention with my performance. Mm-hmm. So before I go on stage, I think, okay, I'm going into my living room. And everybody's everybody's in my living room. Yeah. And it helps me to figure out how I'm going to. So I had performance intention, I had performance goals, um, you know one of the first things was to to keep the feet grounded the second one was to get the hand to stop shaking mm-hmm. you know the next one was to look up into people's eyes and i just kind of worked through those goals mm-hmm. um and then i started thinking i'm the now i think i'm the page so nobody can see so i've got to communicate as the page effectively yeah Right? Because if I leave out something someone else, I'm in the page, and it, it, this is not a converse, this is not a performance, it's a conversation. Yeah. So I'm now here, where I'm like, I'm having a conversation with you and these poems, a conversation. And I want you to listen because I want you to be moved, I want you to understand. Yeah. I want you to I want I feel that if if as an audience, you're emotionally moved, or you are visually invested, then there's a transformation, and art should always transform.
0: Yeah, yeah. There. So the, the, the behind the scenes of this, I don't think is often talked about. I remember Southbank Nights, hmm. me, you, Wosan, I don't really sure who else was there. Anthony, Ant- Anthony, Anthony, Ray, Inua. Ray, Ellens, Inua. We would, be, we would be in the South Bank up till 11pm when they'll kick us out. Yeah, writing. Writing. Yeah. This was Every for evening. time. Every evening, for time. <laughs> people don't necessarily understand the behind the scenes of a lot of people and what it takes in terms of what that process is. Some of the work that we write as well, for the most part, can be uncomfortable and in tapping into uncomfortable spaces. Mm. There's some poems in Pepper C that touch on really uncomfortable stuff what space how have you made space for the uncomfortable to lean into it the rawness Mm. because there's a type of raw that you can write about that just doesn't that but there's a type of raw that's just very much literal mm. but there's a type of raw that's still well crafted mm. in a way that can still be read and still be like whoa that was that was something mm. but it was written so beautifully for mm. the idea of saying that is beautiful but Jesus that was raw but mm. that was beautiful it's mm. like those two things mm. shouldn't really mesh but it does mm. and you do it so well How, what is that craft for you that craft for you it's craft it's the times
1: when all the poems failed that you were doing that didn't work out. It's the times when you tried writing sonnets and you just you just like it's not. It's the time when you go into bring a poem into Mimi Kavati and she says, That poem, darling, that poem wants to be a Sistina. You think, I wanna write a Sistina. Oh, this poem, what's this poem? And you have to go there. It's understanding when you write in a piece, I suppose, that all you're doing and all the experience you are or have. Is in service to this poem, and when you're writing the poem, some people go, "I want this is the truth of what happened with my mom," or "This is the truth of what happened that day at the police station." Nobody wants the truth. No one wants the truth of the of the incident. You want the truth. You want the the. It's it's almost like you know when you get um, oils and they're they're they're. they're so concentrated that you have to dilute them with water to burn them, right. So the poem becomes the poem is the oil that's like like infused. Yeah. You know what I mean, Yeah that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what you that's what you're yeah. trying to get. If you're trying to get the, list, the literal I walked down the road, I saw this girl, she did this, mm. you know, this happened, and then they did this or whatever it's not a poem that's not art that's that's literally the truth of what happened yeah. but what's at the essence of that the essence of that might be connection you know the essence of that might be that that seeing that person made you remember a moth in your grandmother's house and so you follow the thread of that that truth so you want to so you're trying to get to the truth of the poem and the emotional truth of the poem and that moth in your grandmother's house that actually moths your grandmother you see and so then it's it's magical leaps but you're just following this line of the writing and then what you get is a concentration of the reality that you're trying to and all you're trying to do on that and that's why it's difficult isn't it Mm. Because you're trying to you're trying to create art you're trying to transform something you're trying to you're trying to go so specific on it that it becomes so
0: universal
1: yeah
0: right yeah and that. there'll be and there'll be times that you're just staring at the page like I'll, I'll be upstairs I'll be like I'm watching you work and I'm just there like just looking and I'm just looking at this laptop or whatever and I don't know where to go mm. or how to do it but there's, but there's times when
1: it says I'm not coming I'm not not, I'm not I'm not a poem. Yeah. There's times when you you've done five failed things for five days in a row and you think Oh my God. And then the next day it flows and you realize that those five things had to and some things from those five things, some lines or some thoughts or some, you know. uh, Sometimes that staring is not actually doing nothing. It's actually just being in the body, just thinking. Like, so writing at the desk is not all that. Sometimes it's just... Stupid. Yeah. Or sometimes it's walking. You go for a walk and and you go, oh... Green, the grass is the image mm. and you come back. Then you back. come back to yes, the desk and be Like, yeah. I'm ready. Yeah, so it's
0: yeah. Um is let's go back to young Malaika for a bit. If there was a piece of advice that you would have loved to give that love to have kind of passed on to young Malaika now that you've kind of experienced so much, what do you think that advice would be?
1: You know what? I would say to me, I'm proud of you. Like I'm really <laughs> proud of you because there was a time when we were doing this. You know, I was. I remember I was working at Upperson Stakes mm. three days a week, um, and uh, and then I was trying to do this poetry thing. And there there wasn't an industry. There wasn't there wasn't a poetry kind of thing. And I, you know, I was just like, boy, I could barely pay the rent. Mm. I could just like, you know, um, and I, I'd be. I'd be proud that I didn't know that, like, I'd be saying to myself, look, you're actually like, you make a living doing this, right? You make, you know, yeah, this, this, you know, my friends and my my family would be like, so why don't you go and get a proper job? I'd be like, no, I just want to do this. And I'd be proud of that person who, who was doing something, even though, it wasn't a dream to do it yeah. because it wasn't no, there was nobody existing who did who was doing it yeah. and i'd say boy yeah you're He's here proud.
0: yeah um for poets and i you know i say poets but i think just for writers generally because i think the beauty about just watching the likes of yourself roger nick it's not just the poem It goes into theater it goes into other spaces mm. so it's just for writers generally who specialise in poetry but might grow into other bits is there a piece of advice for them to consider
1: so sometimes you sit down and write and you and it's not a comfortable space but you're comfortable doing poetry and the, the thing says I want to be a play mm. and then you
0: start to sweat mm. Um, how do you know though if it is
1: because it's poetry is so compressed yeah yeah it starts to have dialogue or sometimes it's 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 too big to be compressed it's yeah. not it's poetry is a moment and this is not a moment this is a whole scene this yeah. is a whole this is a whole I don't know a whole argument this is a whole exploration of like my play on plan it was more and more I was gathering more and more in 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 information about fertility and women and gathering newspaper reports and this. And it was like, this is not a series of poems. And then I suppose you get into like, I don't know. So I don't want to do that because I don't know. That's work. I know how to do poetry. I've trained myself to do poetry And now I'm trying to do a play, but I've never written a play. And so I'm going to go into that space. I'm going to be an amateur. I'm going to be learning again. And that's hard, right? So I think it's just understanding that you train yourself up. You know, whether you start, you go on a playwriting course or whether you start, you get invest investing you start going to the theater to watch plays to start understanding it but always understand that you can you can build that you can you can build and then experiment and fail or not fail I have a play that's going to be on at the 6th of July mm-hmm. where it's how we sing our bodies where I just started thinking about movement and dance before words and I started thinking how do I write that and I so I got a friend who was a, a, a choreographer to kind of and I'd be like so this is what I want to do, and he's like, "You're gonna to have to write it down so I can know." And I was like, "Ah," oh. um, and and when and but the way the script is written, every time I gave it to someone, they're like, "This is not a play." Mm. Um, so sometimes it's believing in yourself, sometimes it's persevering, mm. um, sometimes it's understanding that the the trust in the mind, but also having craft to back you up. Knowing that, you know, your poetry, the poetic words, understanding, you know, characterization, Mm -hmm. understanding all these things that you do know, and then understanding what you need to build in there. So I think I'd say always try and push. Although, like, you know, I've always wanted to have a band. (laughs) Roger Robinson has a band. Anthony Joseph has a band. Yeah, I was the first person who wanted to have a band. Hmm. And then I still don't have the band. Yeah, I have a band too. So yeah, I'm, I'm here saying yeah. that. I'm here. Fully yeah, you, you were.
0: Yeah. I had a band. You had a band. What bad boy? We did all kinds of mad music. We was here. I like, want to have was, a band. We was here for it. So that that's
1: my thing. I'm here giving people advice. By 2025.
0: <laughs> like or will have a band. I'll have a band. Yeah, Even can, if it's just a can,
1: one. We do one thing. We
0: can share that on for sure. Yeah. Um, before, I was just to read a poem. Um, what are you working on right now?
1: So I'm working on, I'm finishing off a PhD where I'm working on this biblical, this biblical. PhD, uh, you know. Let's talk talk on the other side. (laughs) Um, Where I'm I'm writing these biblical poems. um, And then I've been writing these uh, poems around funeral and funeral rituals. So I'm working on those projects, really.
0: Um, Any any piece of literature or music that you're listening to right now?
1: Ah, um, right right now I'm reading a lot of stuff for the PhD. Yeah. Um, music-wise at the moment, what am I listening to? At the moment, who's, you know this morning i was listening to abdul ibrahim i I think i'm at the moment i'm into kind of back into big band jazz and Mm -hmm. uh um and i'm I'm listening to a lot of gospels Mm -hmm. as well because it helps the writing sometimes the gospel helps a mood or sometimes like the poem that i'll share with you it helps me to get a momentum or a or a, a connection with what I'm writing, so a lot of gospel and a lot of um, big band South African big band jazz.
0: Um, would you mind sharing a poem with us, please?
1: Yeah, I'm going to share a poem. So, um, Jesus is G- Jesus. Imagine Jesus is Caribbean, um, but also. Um, the, the, it allows me to look at things that you wouldn't look at, mm. you know, um, the 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 person behind everything. So this is Jesus in the wilderness, and if you don't know, Jesus went into the wilderness for forty days for forty nights, and he couldn't eat or anything like mm. that, mm. and he was tempted by the devil. Right, mm. the devil was there going, yeah, "Come <laughs> in, well go on." So um, so this is Jesus in the wilderness. One temptation. I know you were weary that day for 40 days in the wilderness. What was that wilderness like? Dry dust and swirling wind, no color, as the devil's flowers do not give birth to seeds here. What is it to live in the devil's forest like a goat, wild and yearning, tempted of strong of will, yet weak of mind? What is it to want? What is temptation but yielding of flesh, How fast did your heart beat against ribcage in anger at these tantalizing measures of relief? No one talks about limbs weakening or rats gnawing your belly, lice in your hair, like in the belly of the ship. No one speaks about that. In order to build a saint, one needs to gloss over the body's ordinariness, needs to forget there is mess and nastiness in the gut, the dried throat swallowing saliva. The ache of spit traveling along the side of your lips and down your neck back, the contract of stomach, its punch all uneven, each like an XXX of fist. Two, how to how not to drown in desire. They stretch like a bending river. Days stretched and curled like a meandering river. When days began to stretch, when his days began to curl, when his days became a meandering river, its undertow dragging him. When the days became deceptive, a river meandering its undertow. When his days became a meandering river, when his days began to curl into a river, when his days stretched and curled, when his days stretched curling into a river, whose undertow dragged him weary to the surface. Three, suffocation. When his days stretched cutting into a river where his undertow ripped his skin right to soul, he who believed stood firm in dry dust where flowers do not give birth from seeds, where wild goats stroll. No one talks of his trembling limbs, the gnawing rats in his gut, the fleas congregating to party in his hair. No one talks of the reptile's gopher as the devil sucked succulent orange over forty days and nights while he who who believe stitched then unpicked the stitches from his bloody lips. How the taunt of the apple juice ached his neck back in the ripe stench of the boat's belly and how it gripes the dry heaves scraping his neck back, his stomach swelling pregnant with emptiness. Since those days, we fast in our thirst for salvation, long forgotten the bloodied nip for the nailed palms location oh,
0: I am so I am I would am, say I'm eagerly awaiting this project I can't quite I almost feel like it's like tea I feel like I'm wearing like Dre's detox right now like I feel like I'm waiting for this book to land do you know what I mean because I feel I'm so excited for it um, thank you
1: thank you I, I,
0: I, I, I feel like there's many many more conversations to be had but for this to be we spoke number of times and each time is like a different it just grows more and more um, I'm, I'm really thankful thank you for like answering my call and just being like of course let's get this cracking yes mentoring <laughs> it is when um, Yomi
1: calls and says you know I want to have a conversation you're like yeah <laughs> like, I want to um, know what Yomi's going to talk to me about I, I definitely I definitely want to I'm like oh yeah at last
0: <laughs> I um, I feel like I'm, I'm not alone in saying the, the, the position you play for the community, for, for poets, is is undeniable. And we continue to celebrate you in a many, many ways. Thank you very, very much. Folks, Malaika Booker. Thank you. Um, awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. Thank you for listening to Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I've been your host, Yomi Shode and I hope you have enjoyed today's deep dive into the lives of black British poets and creatives. Thank you to our audio producer, Drew Hawley, at The Lab Studios. If you want to find out more about Apples and Snakes, head over to applesandsnakes.org and follow at Apples and Snakes on all social media channels. And remember, if you like what you are hearing, please, Please subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcast and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.